Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. This morning, we're going to continue on in our series here, uh, our series for values and our core values. And we talked about a couple of them last week. And if you missed out, uh, you can go back online as well and pull it up and, uh, and find the last sermon so you can keep up. Uh, but the mission that Jesus has given us uh, as a church will never change. Uh, the body of Christ is living. And last time I, I remember reading in the scripture that Jesus is the head of the church. And since he is the head of the church, we're part of his body and uh, we have these two core values uh, for you today. And b- before we engage them, we need to keep our mission as a focus as well. So our mission is to love God, love people, and inspire hope. And, and those should uh, permeate our lives. And so why don't you do this with me? Uh, why don't you amuse me a little bit and, and say that with me? So it's love God, love people, inspire hope. Say it with me. Love God, love people, inspire hope. And so we should, yes, love God, and of course, we should love people, right? But we also need to be able to inspire hope in the lives of other people around us. And whether they're close to us, far away from us, God gives us those connections, and we're thankful that he does that. And we just need to be able to keep focus on our mission. And really, the values that we hold to, they matter, They matter, and they relate right into our mission as well. And last week I spoke to you about spirit-empowered and Christ-like service. And today our first core value is this, is continual prayer. We pray because we know God listens and acts. Now sometimes it may feel like he doesn't act in the way we want or in the time we want. But we do have to understand that he will act, and that's why it's important for us to continue to trust him no matter what the situation is. And even after Jesus told his disciples to stay in Jerusalem, and then he ascended, Jesus' disciples really weren't clear on what they were supposed to do. Uh, they, They were kind of sitting there, and they've been traumatized by his crucifixion and his burial, And then they were elated by Jesus' resurrection. So they have been thrown left and right. They've been thrown every different direction there. And so after going through that, then Jesus comes back. He spends about 40 days with them, takes that period of time to be able to interact with them and to help them and to start setting them on the path they need to go. Then he up and leaves. He ascends up and leaves and he goes and he sits at the right hand of the father we we know that we know that's what the scripture shows us and they had they had to have felt felt abandoned twice to reality you can imagine the disciples they they've gone through all of this they spent the ministry times with jesus and then then he's crucified he's buried and then he's resurrected and it's like you know, which way are we going, Jesus? And now they're, they're not totally sure what to do, but Jesus had given them some words uh, to kind of clear, clear things up for them. But Jesus taught them beforehand, he says, that we should pray continually because the Father will answer. And so if you look with me over in uh, Matthew chapter 7, 
verse 7. We'll, we'll start there. And this is the word, some of the words that Jesus had said before all of this part. And he said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So it's important for us, if we are following Jesus, that we are continuing to stay uh, in connection with him, continue to knock, continue to seek, continue to talk to him, and, and it's not one and done. And sure, there are times that he works it that way, and that's okay. We, we don't, we, we don't uh, aren't frustrated by that at all, but we have to seek him and, and talk to him. And in the next verse... Now, Jesus qualifies uh, asking and seeking and knocking by illustrating how God is much better than a human who is even kind to their kids. So this is what he said. Verse 9, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? That, like, that wouldn't be nice. That's not in there. But, but go on, and he says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He will do it. We do need to trust him, and we do need to ask him and expect that he will, and we trust in faith. So Jesus taught them. He said, Ask, seek, and knock. Don't give up praying. We can't give up praying. Maybe by this time the disciples started figuring things out a little bit better. Kind of wonder. Uh, it was one of the things for Jesus to teach them the, the value of continual prayer uh, uh, before he was crucified. But once he was crucified, the disciples were deflated and they were abandoned. You know they felt that way. It, it's pretty evident. And, and so it was, it was now another thing for the disciples to recognize the value of continual prayer after Jesus' resurrection uh, and ascension. So that, they're, they're, they're by themselves, so to speak. Uh, and unfortunately, it seems like people can be like the disciples after the resurrection. And after the, after the crucifixion, uh, the burial, resurrection, and ascension. We can be something like that, right? Because at times we may feel like, God, are you even there? Have you abandoned me? Have you, have you just left me here in this situation? We need to allow the Lord to speak into our hearts like he did after the resurrection to the disciples. But for the apostles, Jesus just left. He ascended. And now it was their turn to follow the Lord in a new way. And it, and it wasn't totally clear to them. They weren't 100% sure. They knew what they needed to do in some sense. They knew they were supposed to stay there. And we'll look at that a little bit. But uh, the early church, they just weren't sure. Back in the 1990s, when I first started in ministry, my first position, of course, was as a missionary. And uh, you, you know that. Most of you know that. And I was, I was teaching in a training program for evangelists. And, uh, and then did research on and development for church planting, and then we would plant churches. So uh, it kept us going, kept us busy. But I, I was being mentored by a seasoned missionary and pastor. He had pastored 30 years and had been on the mission field. And, and uh, he had to leave the field for a month or two to go back. He was actually Canadian, and so he went to, back to Canada. And he was there just for a short term. 
and uh, just a bit. And so by the time they came back from North America, uh, he got back to West Africa. And uh, not long after this, uh, his wife got very sick and almost died. And so they had to go back to Canada and to try to get her help. And uh, it was it was pretty serious situation. And so in all the rest of my term, he never did come back. So it was me. It was me and the national team. That's the way it was at that point in time. And, uh, and so here we are. I, I'm sitting there. And so we had to do everything through fax, any phone call if we could, and an email. Now, email was, you know, in its infant stage. And so for us there in Africa, I had to pay over a dollar. I had to pay like a dollar fifty for every email sent, every email received. So uh, I probably only paid a dollar twenty-five for one letter, and so that made it easier. So it's easier to do letters. And phone calls are twenty bucks for ten for uh, ten minutes. So yeah, uh, it, it was a different time, but. It was kind of challenging there trying to interact with, uh, with the leader 8,000 miles away. I had to do something because of that. I had to get on my face. I had to get on my face to pray and ask God. And yeah, we worked through things and we worked together as a team and we got things going. We continued to do ministry and it was good. But sometimes, you know, you may feel uh, abandoned and deflated like that. Sure, I did in some ways. There's no question about it. But the Lord had my back, and the thing is, is that each and every one of us, you may be walking through things in your life, but you have to realize that the Lord is there if you allow Him to work in your situation. We all have to come to that place. We have to recognize that we have to continue to pray. We have to continue to let Him into our situation. Ask and seek and knock to find God's plan and then move with it. That's just part of living. You may, you may have felt that way, but you have to recognize you have to look to the Lord. Now, the book of Acts, it goes on and it shows us uh, the, the choice that the disciples made and, and what they valued. Back in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 1, it says this. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. See, they, they were spending time together uh, in this upper room. It was, a, it was a special feast at that point. It was actually the Feast of Pentecost, and, and which is the New Testament name for the Feast of Weeks, uh, when, the, when the wheat harvest is celebrated by a one-day festival. Uh, and then they, do, do, they would do special sacrifices back then uh, that were offered. But in Judaism... Uh, the, the festival was associated with the renewal of the covenant made with Noah and then with Moses. Kind of an interesting time. God knows what he's doing because here the early church is born at, at Pentecost, right? A, a very special and a very powerful time for them. And, and not all, it's, it, it, God always does things in a certain way. And he has a meaning in these things, and, and it was a powerful thing for them, and God does some wonderful things for them. But, but we see this, they, they must have been spending some time together in worship and prayer in the upper room. We know they were to wait. And, they, and if you go back over into Acts chapter 2, verse 42, later on it says, they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So continual prayer, it was a core. It was a core of who they were. 
It was a core because they knew they needed God. And we know we need God. We need him now just as much or just maybe even more, I don't know, than they did then. But, but it, was, it was the practice of the early church. And then we find over in the book of Acts chapter 12, verse 1, these words. We can find one of these, uh, uh, we find one of the times they were seriously praying. They, the church had spent some time praying. In fact, I shared, with the, I shared this with the, the, prayer team, the prayer group here a while back. It says, King Herod uh, arrested some who, uh, who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had, had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, he, he, uh, he proceeded to seize Peter also. And this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him... He put him in prison and handing him over to the guard by four squads of four soldiers each. Sixteen people, right? And then it says, Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the early church was earnestly praying it to God for him. They were what we call interceding. They were interacting with God saying, hey, we, we need you to help our brother. We need you to help our friend because he's in a bad situation. And, and they really had a good idea of what would happen. They would probably take his life just like they took James. That would have likely been the intention of Herod at that point. And so this time, and again, they, they ask, they seek, they knocked, and God answered. And Luke records that they were, they were earnestly praying there. And God's people were on their face in prayer before they knew God had intervened. I think it's important for us to be able to intervene or to pray until God intervenes. It's important for us. There's probably some things that you face in your families that unless you stay on your face in prayer, it won't change. There's probably some things that maybe at work that won't change until the Lord works and you have to pray and to see that those things come through. Acts chapter 12 verse 7 goes on to say this. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the prison cell. Uh, he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Get up, quick, get up. He said, and the chains fell off, off of uh, Peter's wrist. And then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, probably his outer coat. And Peter did so. Wrap, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him, Peter followed him out of the prison. Sixteen people around him. Before you know it, Peter's free. He's free and he's knocking on the door of a woman named Mary, right? And he goes to her house. He knocks on the door and Rhoda comes to the door and, and she hears Peter's voice and she freaks out like, what in the world? What happened? He must have got to the bail bondsman. No, it didn't happen. Something like that. So what? He, he gets there and she's so excited and elated that she runs back and leaves the door closed and leaves Peter there and runs back to the rest of them. Hey, Peter's out the door. They're probably thinking, why didn't you let him in? No, you're crazy. He's in, the, he's in the prison. That's why we're praying. We shouldn't be surprised when God answers our prayers. I've heard of some of those uh, great testimonies this morning, how God has done some good things. God is faithful. 
It's because they had earnestly prayed. And we have to be a church and a body that is willing to earnestly pray. They, they were asking, they were seeking, they were knocking. They were talking to the Lord about their situation. We, we even find in the Apostle Paul's writings and, and about continual prayer, he talks about it, and it was something that he really valued highly. And Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. He says, Rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all, situ in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So while you're going about your day, uh, be willing to say a prayer at your workstation. You, uh, uh, you may not close your eyes, you may not even open your mouth for it, but you can pray and say, God, work in this situation. We need to be able to do that. It doesn't matter what kind of job you have. Maybe, maybe you have a job where you're interacting with people all the time. Stop in your mind, pray, and say, God, I ask you to work in, that, work in this situation. We have to be open to the Lord at all times at the drop of a hat and allow him to work. But it means that we have to take part on our side to say, God, we need you. And sometimes our pride gets in the way and we're like, I don't know. Well, you know, we can make this on our own, especially for us guys, right? Us guys, we're, we're the worst about that, right? We can do it. If, if, you know, we can do it, you know? And so we think that, but in the reality, we all know we need God. Look at Peter. He was a guy. He was, in fact, he was one of those fishermen. He was blue collar down, uh, down to the bone. And that guy, he was a tough one. It always, he would stand up. He's, he's the guy that cut the, the, the servant's ear off. Off when they were trying to get Jesus and there he is in the jail and he says I need God he knows he needs God we have to recognize that we need him and he's available to work it should become our practice if it's not already to engage the Lord in continual prayer yet we don't always know what to do we just don't. We don't always know what to do. Even the disciples didn't know exactly what to do. They depended on God. Life isn't always clear. That's just, just a reality. Life isn't always clear. It would be nice if it was all the time, but it's not. Today, we, you have to depend on God. We have to value continual prayer. It's something that we need to apply in our lives, each and every one of us, because we need Him. The great thing is, is he's available. And as we pray, we recognize our responsibility as well. I think maybe sometimes that's why some, some run away from prayer. They're like, if I pray too much, God may start talking to me about doing X, Y, Z. Well, you know what? Uh, if he does, he's going to empower you to do it and make the provision to do it. So why worry about it anyway? So here's our second point, part. Local focus and global impact. We focus locally and we have global impact because we also focus on the world, because we care about our communities and the world as God cares about people everywhere. See, real servants uh, of Jesus must focus on uh, must, must focus on more than just their personal needs. It's so easy to focus on our personal needs, right? You have this happen, you have that happen, and you say, man, i, I got to get this taken care of. And, and it happens to all of us, right? It's just the way it is. And it, we can focus so much on our personal needs, we forget about the things that God has in front of us. And we all have times that we need God's help in our personal lives. 
But, but yet in those times, there are others who come alongside of us to pray and encourage us in our faith. And as we grow in our faith and in our relationship with God, uh, we have to start uh, finding a way to give back to God out of our gratitude. We have to be able to give back to him out of the gratitude that we have because we know he's blessed us. As we heard that word this morning, grace, the tremendous amount of grace that God has given us. God, what God's riches at Christ expands and a tremendous thing that he has done for you and I. Nobody's done that to that level for any of us, not to the level of what Jesus did. Nobody ever has, nobody can, nor they will they. Jesus did so much for us. He bore our sin. He bore our sin on him when he went to the cross in our place. You know, if the only thing he's done for you is to forgive your sin, that's more than enough. If that's all he's done. But why is it enough? Because he has, he's made a way for you to spend eternity in God's presence. See, local focus and global impact uh, comes back to the Great Commission. It's about the Great Commission that God's given us. Jesus has given us the power of His Holy Spirit and the responsibility to reach the world. And look at what Jesus told His people over there in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You can't just ignore what Jesus said here. You just can't. And not only did he empower us to be witnesses to, the, uh, to, the salva uh, to, uh, to others for salvation and hope that Jesus came to bring them, but we're, we're to be witnesses all over the world, not just here in our local communities, and we need to be in our local communities. So, you know, sometimes people get it backwards in two different ways. You'll have those that say, missions is for over there. That means somewhere else so they don't have to do it. Or they say missions is only here so that they don't have to, to serve or to give towards missions over there, which is in another place. So people always get that stuff mixed up. It's just the nature of humanity, right? But we have to recognize uh, we have both sides. We have home missions, those things we do here, and we have foreign missions, those things we do there, because we're called to all of that. Uh, that's, just, that's just the call that God's given us. And Jesus says, we, we find it there, not only does he say Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth, but, but that, that Jerusalem's kind of, uh, it's kind of like our Topeka, the Jerusalem, uh, or Judea is something like the state of Kansas, and then Samaria is something like Nebraska or Oklahoma, the, boy, those guys. Uh, and so, or, or maybe Missouri, gee whiz, Mizzou, that, yeah, they really need some help over there. And so, but, but I tell you what, uh, uh, but then we see the, the finality, the final part of that is to the ends of the earth. It's every other country. Uh, and we have to consider this over in, in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verse 9, it says this. The Lord revealed this to John. It says, there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. That's Jesus. That's what heaven's gonna be like. That's what heaven's gonna be like. 
Uh, there's going to be every language. There's going to be every group from all over the world. And with all these people, who are we to, who are, are to, who are to come to faith around the world? It, it, it reminds us that we have a major job to do to be part of that, to make sure that they hear the gospel of Jesus. We must take the opportunity to be witness of Jesus to the world around us. See, we care about our communities and the world as God cares about people everywhere because he cares about every individual. It doesn't matter who they are. There, there, there's something that we need to keep in mind. Some people think that missions is only something that we do locally or something that we do for the rest of the world, but it's just not the reality. We have to do both and. See, Jesus answered us to be witnesses everywhere. Local and, and global missions are both our mandate. It's, it's, it's not either or. Look at Jesus' great commission over there, and, and as it's recorded in the book of Matthew, chapter 28. And Matthew records it, and it says that then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And, sh and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's here with us always. He's with us always, but we have a responsibility. The Great Commission was not a great suggestion. Uh, 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 neither was it a recommendation. I recommend you go out and do this. No, he, he's the Lord. Remember, he's the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church, and we're the body. We're the parts that do this, and, and he's the one that says, yeah, you need to do that. So he's the one that guides us. We're all called to be people who are a witness of his love and hope, and the good news is for everyone. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter what their background. Doesn't matter what they look like. Doesn't matter their nationality or what their situation is. Jesus came to die for all people. Romans chapter 3 says it this way. Romans 3 verse 22. It says this. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. See, it shows us that humanity yeah, is messed up and, and has went their own way. We've all went our own way. But the, but the grace Jesus has provided for us is more than enough to save all who put their trust in him. So the question is, what are we going to do about it? That's the question for us. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, he says this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one in whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? You know, this, this verse here is so important for us because... Sometimes people have a lot of questions about, okay, what about, what about that small tribe in uh, Papua New Guinea or somewhere uh, that, that's never, or they're out in an island in the middle of, an, of a nation. They've never heard the gospel. Well, see, that's where our responsibility comes down to. 
Because sometimes theologians try to figure that out. Well, how is God going to work that out? Well, his plan for that is this. It's actually preaching the gospel. His plan is for us to go, for the, his people to go and to share the gospel with them. That's the responsibility of the church. Really, Paul is referring, as he goes through there in chapter 10, he's referring to uh, Israel, and he goes on to write about it. Uh, but, but this message, is a, it's really a wake-up call to each and every one of us. And, uh, to, and uh, how can people put their faith in Christ if they never hear anything about His saving grace? Well, that's why, that's why we're responsible. That's what we're responsible to do. Then on top of this, they need, they need people who are willing to tell others the message. And sometimes the problem is this. People in the church will say things like, I'm not a preacher. That's the pastor or the preacher's job or that's the missionary's job. And the truth is you may, you may be the only person that can reach them. And it may be that God puts you there on purpose and not somebody like me. Not somebody like Jody. Uh, he's put each and every, every one of us in places for a purpose and a reason so that we as a body can reach out to the world around us because we're salt and light in this world, each and every one of us. There, there was a pastor that was, uh, uh, was uh, he never prepared for his sermons. Uh, and so he gets to church, uh, he, that's just the way he was. He's one of those uh, off-the-cuff preachers, I guess. That's fine and good. But, 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 but he never prepares for his sermons. And finally, the, the church is singing uh, in worship, and he's sitting there on his chair, and he's like praying, God, please give me a message. God, please give me a message. And finally, the Lord speaks to him. This is one of those times the Lord, he says, Ralph, here's my message. You're lazy. <laughs> I was like, come on, man. <laughs> come on. Uh, each, each and every one of us, we, we don't want to be caught like that, right? We, we want to make sure that we're ready in season and out. You may say, well, I'm not a preacher, so I don't have to do that. Yeah, but we have to be ready in the world that we live in. And we're always going to be engaged by people. And we need to be able to share our faith in hope. And we may need, need to inspire hope in the lives of others. Uh, may, uh, may we be like that. May we not be like that lazy pastor. Become the kind of person who's willing to work at announcing the good news of Jesus every time you have the opportunity. Say, God, is this, is this my opportunity? Are you willing to announce or share what God has done for you? And, you know, we don't want to be all weird about it, right? Sometimes we can be if we're, it's like if we're in, in an unusual situation. Make sure you're following the Lord on that. And, and, but share your hope with people. Share hope with people. Both you and I have the responsibility to our world. If we don't speak up when we have the opportunity, what will happen to those around us? That, that's, pretty, that's pretty heavy there. How can they believe if uh, they've never heard? And we're starting to get in the place in the United States of America where there's a lot of younger generation that have never heard. They actually do not know. They still see the churches. They still see the crosses. They still see things out there, and they still see people who are believers in Jesus, but they still haven't heard the gospel. I remember a relative that told me one time, 
how the and this has been this has been 20 years ago. They said, yeah, we have had some uh, uh, a, a family that they uh, some of their family, and they said some of their family had never heard the gospel really because they had never been to church, and as far as she knew. And it said the only time they actually went to church was for a funeral or for a wedding. Literally. That's all they ever did. It's like, and, that, and that's 20 years ago. But now it's a lot different than that. And we're on the edge of what, what Europe is, has become. We're on the edge of that, friends. And so we have, that means we have a big responsibility as the body, body of Christ. We can't just say, it's us four and no more. We have to say, God, how is it that you want us to engage the world around you, around us? We all have this responsibility. We have to be this kind of person. We have this responsibility. Local focus and global impact is, is to be willing to focus and work on at sharing hope with those around us. We have to be the kind of people who are willing to share this hope with a lost and sometimes clueless world. I think that's, I think that's really the word I need to use is clueless because sometimes they don't have any idea. Because they see sometimes how even some church folks live and they're like, oh, is that the way they live? And that's all right. And it's like well, there, there has to be something that we give to the world. You are a preacher. Maybe you just didn't know it. You are a preacher. And you say, well, I don't have the credentials like you do in your pocket. Yeah, you are a preacher. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are somebody who is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. See, sometimes people are fearful of sharing faith with others because they don't want others to size them up in a certain way. And Jesus knew those kind of things were going to happen. And he told his disciples, that's the way it's going to be, guys. And so just the way it is, and maybe that's why he said in the Great Commission, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's trying to remind us, look, guys, it, there's going to be times when it's not easy. Sometimes it's going to be easy, and that's good. Sometimes it will be easy. It won't be hard at all. Somebody's going to ask you, and you're just going to, it's going to come out of your mouth, and they're going to say, wow. But then other times it's not going to happen that way, but he said, I will be with you always to the very end of the age and see, Jesus didn't want his sheep, he didn't want his church to feel like they were alone. He's empowered us. You are empowered. Each and every one of you are empowered when you allow the Spirit of God to work in your life. When you allow the Holy Spirit to overwhelm your life, He's empowered us and promised us to be, He promised us that He would be with us. What about that friend you haven't asked to church yet? Maybe there's somebody that you, you know them. You're thinking about maybe, maybe it's that friend that I need to engage them. You know, there's, you always take the chance, right? Because maybe they don't fit. Maybe it doesn't work for them, right? But you engage them. You, you try to engage them and let God work in their life. Yeah, our, our vision uh, must become personal for us, right? Our, our mission must become personal to love God, love people, inspire hope. Not, it's not just for us as a body in here. It's for us as a body everywhere as the Lord enables us and gives us the ability. As we wrap this up this morning, so we value continual prayer. It's our core value, not only because the, 
the, the early church valued it, but because God answers prayer. We value it because of that, because we know God is working and he's willing to work in our lives. Life isn't always clear. We don't always see um, in front of us, right? We don't always see very far in front of us. You just, you just need to be patient and pray. That's where we're at. We have to be patient and pray. And Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem. And sometimes that's simply what we need to do is to wait in God's presence and allow him to empower us and to guide us in the right way. We, we value local focus and a global impact. It's about that great commission. God cares about people. Aren't you glad he cares about us? I am grateful that he cares about each and every one of us. How can, how can we turn to follow God's will in all this? It starts by commitment to change. starts by commitment to say, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I don't know what this is going to look like, but I, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to let you work in my life. However, uh, I'm encouraged by some of the things that people tell me. Giving out devotionals. Some doing whatever. They said, Pastor, is that okay? I said, absolutely, it's okay. You have to take 10 of them. Do it. Try, try and engage people to share the gospel. Make sure in different ways. You know, everybody's in a different place, right? And so it's not going to be the same for every individual that we engage or relate to. It wasn't the same for, for Jerry as it was for me. <laughs> wasn't the same for any of us, right? It's different for each and every one of us. God knows who we are. We're all individuals. We all have different personalities. We all have, we all have situations in our life. God's going to give each and every one of us the ability to be able to help people if we're open to allowing Him to do that. The only way that we can really fulfill our mission to love God, love people, and inspire, and inspire hope is if we continue to pray and if we continue to focus locally in our communities and in the global place, world that we live in. Amen? Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we're your people. We're your people and we have been broken and you have healed us and you have helped us and some we're still in the process of that. And Father God, we're, we, we desire to follow you and I pray that you would help each and every one of us as we recognize the things that you have set before us, as, you rec as we recognize the people that you've set before us. Father, God, help us to be witnesses of Christ Jesus in our world. You've given us this responsibility, but Lord, you didn't give us the responsibility without the empowerment to serve you, without the empowerment to do your will, Father God. That's why you sent us the Holy Spirit and he indwells us, Father God. I pray that you would continue to pour your spirit out in us, that we would no longer be the same as what we were yesterday. Father, we can be closer to where you want us to be and stronger for you, Father. We depend on you today and we give you praise, Father, in Jesus' name.